Well, good morning. Our call to worship today is number 94. Number 94. He is here. Let's all stand. Good morning, <clears throat> excuse me, and welcome to Deep Creek Baptist Church uh, on a beautiful Sunday morning uh, where we might, might get some rain, hope so. Uh, still going to be humid, it's that time of the year in North Carolina. Um, birthdays and anniversaries, uh, we sang happy birthday last week to Michaela, and she wasn't here, but she's here today, so we're going to do it again. So, if Michaela, if you will stand up. Is anybody else having a birthday this week? All right, let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Our next hymn is page 499, 
playground dedication and just have a great time. Uh, the Christian literature collection is still going on in the uh, fellowship hall to your left. Um, the uh, Life Care Pregnancy Center is still accepting <clears throat> items for donation. We're going to take them up there probably either this week or next. Uh, I'll have to get with the ladies and find out when we want to make that ride to Carthage. Um, the food pantry and non-perishable items in the um, foyer back there. Um, are there any other announcements to be made? Wow. Okay. Uh, <coughs> praises and prayer requests. Um, I know Wednesday night I mentioned the uh, Sarah in Texas, the 14-year-old girl that uh, from Odessa, Texas that was a co-worker her, her aunt is a co-worker of uh, our niece that when we went to Portland, Texas to help with a hurricane anyway she sent it uh, she hasn't gave me an update but she was in had life flight at the children's hospital in Fort Worth so keep Sari in your in your prayers um, uh, continue to pray for Walt and Bernie of course it's good to see them here today and Michaela um, uh, Vernie's having a time with her pneumonia. Uh, it doesn't seem to want to go away, and so uh, just pray for that. Uh, also, uh, continue to pray for Bobby Wilson. Pray for Chelsea Roberts as she uh, has a, a biopsy this week. Uh, pray for her husband, uh, Tanner. Um, they're still running tests on him. They thought it was... Uh, kidney stones but it's not so pray for the Roberts family uh, are there any others in church I'll take my daughter Avery on the, the prayer list for Avery I'm going to it's time to put her on there by name okay those that you know my daughter please pray for her okay please pray for her okay Um, also, uh, Miss Rachel went to the hospital this week, uh, emergency room, uh, thought she was having uh, a heart event. Uh, anyway, they're going to run some more tests on her. Um, uh, Miss Karen went to the hospital, and they found out that her issue was a reaction to her second COVID shot. So um, continue to pray for them. Um, are there any other additions to the prayer list? Carrie, I talked to uh, Rachel yesterday. To who? Rachel. Right. Yeah. And she said that um, she was dehydrated and the doctors had told her that she has not been dehydrated. Okay. Alright. Um, Kathleen? Um, see Travis, we got It's been a good week. I mean, somebody's got to have something to pray about. Amen. 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 I'm just glad Drew made it home. So. Amen. Yeah, Drew and them, Drew got home. So keep them in your prayer. Any, Roger? Just one that I don't know how to ask, what to ask for, but I had a good chance to talk to someone and uh, spend some time um, trying to approach 
Any other? All right. Well, if there's no other praises and no other prayer requests, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, most glorious Lord God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we lift up everyone that was mentioned on this prayer list. Lord, we, we lift up those who have unspokens but uh, won't speak them. Lord, we know that that um, that you know the hearts of all. Lord, we lift up our military. Lord, we lift up the churches around the world that are being persecuted. Lord, we lift up especially our brothers and sisters in Canada who were burned to death in a church this week. Lord, we just ask you to be with their families. Um, Lord, we know that you're, you're working in this and all of this works to your glory when we don't understand. Lord, we ask you to be with our, lead, our elected officials. We ask you, Lord, to, to bend their knees so that they can seek you for wisdom. Lord, we ask that you shine the light on the evil that's around us so that we can call it out and advance your kingdom as you would have us to do. Lord, we love you. Um, we ask you to bless this time we have together. Lord, we ask you to allow us to put away the, the cares and worries of this world for the next little bit, Lord. Allow us to, to focus on you and worship you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and with all of our soul. Lord, I love you and ask all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Our operatory hymn is 560. 560. Oh, how I love Jesus.
If you have your Bibles, if you will go ahead and and turn to John chapter 14. Uh, I'm going to start in the last verse of John 14 and then move over into 15 a little bit. Uh, I want to talk, you know, I, I preached a little bit last week about love. And I'm going to preach again a little bit about love uh, because there's some things that we need to understand uh, that's going on in this world and things are fixing t- if they've not already, you know, I'm speaking southern here, so things are fixing to get tough on us. It's already happening to our northern brothers and sisters in Canada. Um, you know, I mentioned in our prayers the folks that lost their lives in a fire that was set by the Canadian government with those folks in the church. So, uh, it's not that far away. Uh, Things are are progressing rapidly. Um, We're called as Christians to keep our eyes focused on the east, to be looking every day for the return of Christ. Uh, If you look around and if you've read the Word of God and tried to make light or make, come to an understanding uh, through the Holy Spirit as much as you can about what's happening in our world today, it may cause you to believe that we are living in the end times. I pretty much believe so. But like a lot of preachers before me, they believe so also. Um, none of us know, but we're to be prepared. And so, how are we to portray the love of Christ in a world that hates us. And why are we surprised that the world hates us when Christ told his disciples they hate you because they hated me first. And so I'm going to go at this a different direction. Uh, I'm going to open this uh, sermon up uh, with a uh, reading from John Piper in his book the, pro- the Pleasures of God. And it starts out like this. Is sometimes we joke and we say things about marriage. You know, have any of you ever made the statement, the honeymoon is over? Uh, but that's because we are finite. There is an end to our existence. There's an end to our understanding. So we can't sustain that honeymoon level of intensity and affection. Because we can't foresee the irritations that come from long-term familiarity. See, the longer we're together, we understand our others, partners, life choices. Uh, but we can't understand their faults and their um, imperfections. We don't see them in the beginning. Because we're not looking for them in the beginning. Because we're infatuated. We're in love. We can't. You know, we're all focused on making sure the other one's happy. And you can't do that every day. Because you can't sustain the happiness that only Jesus can. And so, uh, anyway, uh, we can't stay as fit and as handsome as some of us are. And we also, we can't keep up enough things to do in that relationship. I know, Roger, you're just like me. You can't help it. You were cursed with good looks. Uh, I see you and Ann back there laughing. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, we can't come up with new things to keep that relationship fresh. But God says his joy over his people is like a bridegroom over the bride. How is he able to maintain that level of love and affection that we can't. Well, number one, he's infinite. Uh, And he's talking about a honeymoon intensity and the honeymoon pleasures and the honeymoon energy and the excitement and the enthusiasm and the enjoyment. He's trying to get into our hearts what he means when he says he rejoices over us with all of his heart. Think about that. The creator of the universe... The sustainer of life rejoices over us with all of his heart. Isn't that amazing? All of us. He rejoices over us. Now I rejoice over my wife. I do. But 
I can't constantly be in that state of enjoyment. I just have to take a break every now and then and be stupid. No, I'm just sorry. Because <laughs> uh, it's ultimately, it's all my fault to begin with. I will make that statement right now. Anyway, uh, and you add to this that God, that with God the honeymoon never ends. Now with us, it varies on our relationships with our, with our significant others after we married. The honeymoon may last three or four years, five years. It may last up until the first child comes or up until the second child comes. And then it becomes everyday life married trying to make ends meet. But with God, that enthusiasm and that creativity and that power is infinite. He's excited about us all the time. He's excited about us today as much as he was in the beginning. He was excited about us today and tomorrow as he was before he created the earth. God loves us with an intensity that we don't understand. See, he can foresee all the future, the future quirks of our personalities. He has decided that he will keep what's good of us and change what isn't. That's where the rubber meets the road in a marriage. We try to change the other one. We don't like something about them and say, I'm going to change that person. Well, you can't. Only God can. You might, you might get them to subdue that action or subdue that thought, but you can't make them change it. It's there. But what he's trying to get us to understand is that with him, he sees us always as handsome and beautiful. He sees us always as never changing other than the things that he's working out in us. He's infinitely created to think of new things to do together so that there will be no boredom for the next trillion ages of millennium. Think about that. We're going to get to heaven and we will not be bored not one second. Not one second. And so the son's love for the father. I'm going at this from John 14, 31. Now you have to understand what's happening. He's just finishing up his supper. Judas is going to betray him. He knows this and he makes this statement in 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise and let's go hence. And then he starts off in the next chapter about being the true vine. What he's talking about here in John 14, 31 is the fact that uh, that he is going to arise. He has, he's going to arise and he's going to leave from there together with his disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Jesus deliberately loved his disciples according to the way God the Father loved him. Jesus loves us exactly the same way God the Father loved him. How did God the Father love him? He cared for him. He protected him. He's protecting them, guiding them, sacrificially serving them and using his power and authority to do these things. God is making sure that our path is correct. You know how we stay on the path? Obey. Simple thing. Obey. Remember, remember when Paul had his conversion and when the Lord cried out to him and he cried out, Lord, what would you have me to do? At that instant when he accepted Christ, he went from being one of the most boisterous, one of the most vigorous Pharisees and persecutors of the Christian church. From that point in his life, he was changed. He was a humble man, obedient to God. He said it, he described himself as a bond servant to Christ. Christ had bought him for a price. He no longer went after his own desires. All of his desires were focused on the accomplishment of Christ's mission for his life. He had troubles. He had pain. He cried out. 
You know, he had a pear, a thorn in the side. And God told him, my mercy is enough for you. My mercy is enough for you. And so they were leaving together. It was not clear because he makes a statement a little bit later in the next verse in number 9. He says, As the Father had loved me, in 15.9, As the Father had loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. There's a connotation here that, that people think that Satan was causing Jesus to get up and run. Causing Jesus to end his dinner with his disciples. Causing him to go to the Gethsemane, the garden in Gethsemane. Satan was not causing him anything because Satan had, number one, he had no control over Christ. He had no influence over Christ. He had nothing to do with Christ. He had no hook, line, or thinker in any way in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he hooks us and he puts a line on our jaws and drags us around because we allow it as children of God. And he says, as the Father loved me, I have loved you. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus loves us in spite of ourselves. He loves us because we, he called us. He called us, we accept that he has no choice but to love us. Otherwise, he would be a liar. And he is not a liar. So once you come to him and accept him, he has no choice but to love you and shower on you the love the Father showered on him. He has no choice but to show you the mercy that the Father showed him. He has no choice but to show you the grace that the Father showed him. His power and authority is on us and in us. We have the ability to make changes in this world beyond what we think we're capable of. We have an obligation to be obedient to Christ's call on our lives. We're to use our talents. We're to use our personalities to advance God's word and God's kingdom. Not Jerry's word. Not Jerry's kingdom. Not Jerry's understanding. Because see, if I start advancing my understanding and my religion then I'm going to drive people away from Christ. And if I drive people away from Christ, then I'm being run by a demonic force. Anything that drives you away from Jesus Christ is demonic in nature. Period. Any man's religion that changes you and denounces who Christ is, is a lost man's religion. Christ is the incarnate God, period. Christ is God incarnate. Any doctrine, any preacher, any guy on the street that tells you different is under a demonic force. People don't want to talk about the, the war that's going on now, the war that's being waged spiritually all over this world because it would require them to actually understand and look at their lives they'd have to look at what God has called them out I had somebody ask me this week has, has God turned his back on the United States no he has not the United States turned their back on God and it started a long time ago. It's been a slow progression to our country being where it is today. And we as Christians have allowed it. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. This surely is Christ's superlative word concerning his love of his own. It leaves nothing more to be said. There's nothing more to be read into that. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. 
He is the Father. He loves us the same way. The Father loved the Son with a love that has no beginning. That love also has no end. And the love that He's talking about is a close love. It's personal. Why do you think I opened up about being married and on the honeymoon? That's when you draw close. You spend this time together. I've been with Sharon so long that now I understand I can do something and I know exactly what she's going to say. <laughs> I know exactly how she's going to respond. And she gets mad at me sometimes because I finish her sentences. <laughs> yeah. She finishes mine too. But that's okay. But that's because I've had a close, personal relationship with Sharon. I want to get to the point to where I can finish God's sentences and he can finish mine. That's the close personal relationship I'm working on now. And here's the thing. That relationship and that joy and that love, there's nothing to measure it by. Nothing. There's not an instrument been invented that can measure the depth of the love of God for us. There's not an instrument being measured that has been that can actually accurately depict today he loves me this much, but tomorrow he loves me that much. No. There's nothing that's incomprehensible. The love is love. All of it. He doesn't withhold, he doesn't withhold any of it. And then he goes on to say, abide in me or abide in my love. There is no single way to describe and character the nature and character of Jesus. There's no single way to describe. You can't use one word. In fact, the words that we have in our English language don't do it justice. And I'll give you an example that you can think about. Something that's relatable and applicable. For those of you that have children, explain to me the feelings in your heart when you held that child for the first time. You can't do it because nothing does it justice. The greatest words you can come up with leave so much on the table. Unsaid. Abide in my love. Keep my commandments. Those are the things that he tells us. Of all these things about the qualities, and there's dozens. This book is filled with the qualities of Christ and God. Pick one that describes the most, or that which is the top of the list. You can't, because they're so intertwined with the others. Jesus said, Abide in my love. When a disciple stays connected to the love of Jesus Christ, the relationship stays strong. How do we stay connected? We read God's Word daily. We concentrate on God's Word. We meditate on it. We seek Him for all things. We talk to Him daily. You know, prayer is talking to God. And what does He tell us to do? Pray what? Unceasingly. Talk to Him. Talk to him. He will answer you. Trust me. Now, in that, when you talk to somebody, it's like carrying on a conversation. If I was to carry on a conversation with you, at some point in time, I would have to be quiet and listen. Talk to God. Be quiet. Listen. And I trust you. He will send you affirmation. If you're hard-headed like me, he will send somebody else to affirm what you're thinking because you get distracted easy. 
God's love is beyond measure. God's love for us is beyond description. Now, the Son loved the Father, and the Father's love for the Son, he says in, 19, in, in 59, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye, abide ye in my love. The Son's love for the saint. We are the saint. How much does God love you? Do you count yourself a saint? Christ called you a saint. Have you ever heard somebody, Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not a saint. How do you think that floats in heaven? <laughs> how do you think that floats? If Christ called you a saint, but you're saved, but you're not a saint, how do you think that floats? Do you think that might be just a little condescending? Christ can save me, but he can't name me a saint. It's not, it's not possible. He called you his brothers and sisters. The saints are Christ's brothers and sisters. When you go back and read the beginning of 15, he talks about the vine and the branch. You understand that, that we've been grafted in the vine. So when those of us who took biology back in the day, and they were talking about grafting plants, it's nothing new. It's been going on for millennia. Jesus talked about it. He was the vine. Who is the vine? God. We were one of the branches grafted in because we weren't part of that original vine. And what happens to a, a branch on the vine when it's not producing? It dies. And what do they do? The, the vine dresser comes by, clips it off. And what do they do with those clippings? They don't plant them. They burn them. And so if we stay in the vine, we get our nourishment. If we take our regular chastening from God, we're being pruned so that we can produce fruit. If we get our fertilizer from the Word of God, we're going to grow. When we trust the Holy Spirit and start letting it flow out of us, we'll blossom. And then people will come to us and we just might be able not only from our, from our flower to drop a seed, but we might also see that seed sprout and grow. And then again, we might be one of the harvesters, but we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. Christ loved us for that. He loves the saints for that, so that we can love others like he loved us. So, the saints love to one another is the logical next step. 15.12 This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If you do, not, if you do whatever, whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all these things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And, or, or, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask in the fathers in my name he may give it to you these things I command you that ye love one another and then of course it goes on the world will hate you you know that it hated me first and he'll hate you Here's the thing. We're to be what? We're to be, how do we love one another? We love one another like Jesus loved us. What command did he give us? Love one another like I loved you. I can't be angry at my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm to love them 
Now, I can get mad, but i got to go make it right because it's my responsibility. Whether I feel like they hurt me or I hurt them, it's my responsibility to make it right. Because I can't control them. I can only control me, and it's my responsibility to make it right. To go and ask forgiveness. Even though I may feel like I don't need to ask, that's what I need to do because I need to maintain that relationship so that it doesn't sour and spread and become a cancer in the church. That's why it's always best to go forward and seek forgiveness. It's always best to say, I'm sorry. It's always best to pray for the people that wronged you, that you perceive wronged you. We're to be humble. We're not to be a doormat. There's a difference. We're to preach the gospel everywhere we go. How do we do that? By loving them like Christ loves us. Husbands, how are we to love our wives? Like Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He died for it. He died for it. When people see the love we have for each other and others, they'll want some of it. It is contagious. They talk about how these contagious things are flowing around out now uh, in the world now. Try love. Try love. The first thing they're going to say, why are you doing this for me? <laughs> and you say, because I love you. How can you love me? You don't know me. Well, Christ loves me and I love you. You're one of his creatures. Thus, the relationship starts. And it may be nothing more than opening a door for somebody. It may be nothing more than, than, than helping somebody pick something up they dropped. Little acts of love. Random acts of kindness. And then when we get together with each other, think about it. When we're together, what do we do? We laugh. And we talk. And we cut up. And we have a great time. Why is that? Because we love each other. We love each other. This is a great place to start right here. And we have. We have a great start on loving one another and hugging on each other. And even with this pandemic, we still hug. I remember going to an event and they had it roped off. You were just supposed to go in, go through the little line, go, not go behind the rope, and, and leave. Well, got there. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a viewing at a wake. And everybody had just seen each other that morning at church. And they went behind the rope, sat down on the couches, was hugging and talking to each other like they hadn't seen anybody in 30 years. And they'd just seen each other that morning. And it was okay. It was okay. God's people are going to be attracted to God's people. We need to learn to love those who aren't like us. And when I mean not like us, they may have a vulgar vocabulary. They may be in the midst of addiction, whether that's alcohol, whether that's drugs, whether that's food, whether that's whatever. Pornography. They may be womanizers. They may be, I don't know what the opposite of a womanizer, I guess what the female side of it is. They may be that. But we're to love them and show them the love of Christ. They may be mixed up in their head about their gender and their identity. We're to love them. We're to love them so that they can see the love of Christ. That's what we're called to do. They may be a different, their melanin in their skin may be a different color than ours. We're called to love them because they're creatures of God. We need to love on this world. That's what makes this world good, is the church. And the members in the church are supposed to be loving on others. Not only each other, but outside the world. 
We need to understand that every human being has a claim upon us as children of God. If we can relieve their suffering, if we can give them hope, that's what our job is. To wipe the tears from those that are hurting. To ease the pain in the stomach of those that are hungry. To help hold and cure the hearts of those that are broken. Those are the things that we are called to do. Those are the things that we do because God has changed us. How many of us ride down the road and just go past them? Tend not to look. We pull up at a stoplight in a big city or a big town that we're not familiar with. And there's a guy standing there with a sign. Well, I ain't looking over here because if I do, I'll make eye contact. That means I seen him. How many of us just take the visor and roll it over and flick it down so we don't have to look? How many of us wonder, is this guy for real? Or is he just scamming? The question is, did God put him there to test you and your generosity? That's something that you and the Lord have to work out. I will tell you this. I watched my two grandsons give a homeless guy some money the other day. I didn't see him. They did. And he was thrilled to death. Opened my eyes that I need to start being more perceptive about what's going on around me rather than concentrating on the things that I, the list I needed to take care of. Those are things that done. See, they taught me a lesson. Wake up, Papa. Wake up. Not be woke, but wake up. Woke is a bad thing. Number one is out of context and used improperly Englishly, literally. But we need to wake up to those around us. We need to wake up to the hurts of those near us. We need to wake up also to the hurts and hurting of those within our congregation. But the main thing we need to do is we need to be alive for Christ and remember how much He loves us. And we need to unclog our pipes and let that love roll forward. See, God forgave us and saved us for a relationship with Him so that He could use us for His plan. Period. All these other things are distractions. We're to be about the gospel of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for explaining to us the depth of your love. I thank you for giving our finite minds the ability to maybe comprehend a little of that. Lord, I ask that you kindle our hearts so that we become animated and inspired and put feet and arms to the work about your kingdom. Lord, we know time is short every day when we look to your returning. But until then, Lord, let each one of us be obedient and be about your business. Let all the hearts that are here today be One hundred percent dedicated to you. If there's any trouble in a heart, Lord, today's the day. If there's a heart that's here that doesn't know you, today's the day. Lord, we love you. We know you're in control. Give us the ability to effect change for your kingdom that we will recognize the lost. Lord, give us the ability to plant the seed that busts that heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In number 435, 435. Stop staying. <clears throat> 
Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Share the gospel. 